Right on, writers, and welcome back to the Books by Adrian Author platform. This is Typewriters Podcast, where we let our hair down a little bit and uh, debrief a bit with this week's guest from Livestream Sunday. Thank you so much for being here, everybody at home, whether you're watching this uh, during the premiere on YouTube, whether you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, or watching slash listening on Spotify. You can do both on Spotify. Regardless of how you're uh, ingesting this content, thank you so much for being here and for subscribing. If you're not yet subscribed or following, please do so. It helps us out with the algorithm and all that kind of good stuff. I'm your host, Adrian Santiago. Uh, if you don't know, I'm, I'm writing a novel and it's coming out early next year. It's called Mythic Shadow of the Spark, and it is a murder mystery set in a sci-fi fantasy world, which should prove lots of fun to market. All right. We're not going to waste too much time. We're going to get Mr. Jack Adkins out here. And uh, for uh, anybody who missed Livestream Sunday, that's always available for replay on the YouTube channel Books by Adrian. So go on over there and make sure you check that out. Without further ado, welcome back, Mr. Jack Atkins. Thank you very much. Hello again, sir. Yes, hello. Um, I thought that, that that flew by. The hour just flew by on that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope you had a good show. Yeah, that was great. That was cool. It was fun. I, I, I liked it. I was... I was I, I feel like we probably missed out on a bit uh, of, of chat room stuff because, like I said, my Wi-Fi got wonky for a second there and I lost the chat. And then when it came back, it was it was looking a little thin. So I was like, hmm, I don't know. YouTube has been kind of fishy these days with that stuff. Mm, yeah. Well, um, on this podcast, we tend to talk a little bit more about, like, the craft of it all, the actual, like, behind the scenes and whatnot. And, uh, and so where did the uh, Dragons of Dorwin Dorwine, excuse me, uh, world. What did that whole idea kind of come from for you? Uh, was it strictly from your love of fantasy and D&D? Was there something you mentioned right what you know? So was there something in your own life that kind of sparked it forward? Where did that whole series come from? Uh, a big part of it for me, uh, one of the, the series that really captivated me as a young, I don't know, probably 12, 13 year old, uh, was the Dragonlance Chronicles. And I love the world of Dragonlance and i love playing Dragonlance in dnd and with fifth edition coming out in 2014 2015 i waited and waited and waited for Dragonlance, and it never came mm-hmm. um so i wanted to run some of my own stuff so i said well i want to i want a world full of dragons um to create for my dnd campaigns how can i do that that's that's kind of different and i got this idea about a, a low magic system you know, magic is very limited. Only a few people can use it. And I thought, well, what about if only dragons could use magic? And and then I had the idea that, well, it'll be contained in their blood. So without dragons' blood, you can't do anything. Uh, so I started to expand that idea where you would have people who worked for the church because these dragons are worshipped like gods. Uh, the church is more like a bank. So they would they would sell. They would dole out their blood and they would sell it. And you could buy what they call a smear. So you get like a little piece of wax paper with a smear of dragon blood on it. And you could use it to power some kind of item. Or you could use it for, uh, you could make a potion if you were uh, an apothecary that, that would do a specific thing. And they, they very tightly regulate and control the, sell, the sale of dragon blood. And uh, the first story that I came up with was about what would happen if, for some reason, 
tons of it was hitting the street like drugs you know it's just all of a sudden you've got a control over this market but now it's going nuts all the dragon blood's supposed to come through the church but it's everywhere and people are dying because they don't know how to use it and and they're you know they're, they're abusing rebels. it you too yeah. much yeah pop rebels are popping up everywhere because now they have power and they do all this stuff so that was kind of the premise of the seed for the world and i kind of built it out from there so that's pretty cool. Now, you did mention, though, that you mostly have, if I'm not mistaken, dragon characters and other and other creatures, no human characters in these first few books. Mm-hmm. Um, so how are we seeing sort of that that epidemic of, of like dragon blood hitting the streets? Like what? How, how is that sort of depicted to the audience? So the. The main characters are, they're not dragons, they are just different races. For example, one of the characters is is what we would associate as a triton. You know, he lives under the sea, merfolk, and he's he's a prince that lives there that's been exiled. Uh, Another one is kind of this sketchy half-sea elf uh, person who um, has some secrets. She's very secretive. And she's she's some kind of spy or something like that. And the main character is half, he's half goblin. But he's, he's a goblin with red skin. Very eccentric, very uh, gregarious type of character. And the humans you see, they are workers in towns. They are, you know, they're, you know, they serve all these other purposes. So they're, they're there in the background. They mm-hmm. exist, but there are a lot of these other races that are around, especially in the in the town where this black dragon is controlled. It's kind of a, a there's a specific reason. Um, one of the things, if you if a dragon makes a magic item, they can harvest the magic back out of it. So they have the system mm-hmm. along the coast. They have people that they send to, to find shipwrecks or to har- harvest or harness these magic items. So anybody who has gills, they hire to go and delve down in to find these magic items and they pay a high price for them. So you have a lot of those kind of characters. Humans can't do that. They have very limited abilities for that kind of thing. So That's so cool. Um, when I was a kid, one of the first books that I really remember resonating with was this book called Goblins in the Castle. I don't know if you ever heard of it. My second grade teacher read it to us during story time. And I just remember like being blown away. There was this idea of like, they all came from a, a place called Nilbog, which is goblin spelled backwards. And when I figured that out, it like blew my mind. You know, I was like, oh my God, it was incredible. And it's all these like little kids are trapped in this castle with like goblins everywhere and they have to get out. And, uh, and you know, for, for a kid, like just the, the idea of like these creatures that were human-like, but were not human. And, you know, they were scary and they were kind of ugly, but they were also like funny and like mischievous. And you didn't really know how to feel about them. Like all of that stuff like really resonated with me. And it's stuff that kind of drives like the stuff that I write now as an adult. Um, so now I'm curious about your favorite dragons. So let's start with movies. What's what's like your favorite dragon movie or dragon character in a movie? Oh, the favorite dragon character. I probably like Smog. Um, I maybe one. yeah, I maybe like him in the books better. But what's not like to like about Benedict Cumberbatch? I mean, oh, he, nailed he does it! A fantastic job. Nailed um, it. I like this nefarious 
uh, dragon. And I like a dragon that it's evident that the power scale between you and it is enormous. Mm. So they, I, I like that too. And you kind of get that sense with Smog, who, if you know, you know, Tolkien, he was one of the smaller of the dragons. Yeah. And um, he's huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I probably like him in, um, in books. Hmm. There, I can't even remember the name, but there was a blue dragon in the Dragon Lance Chronicles book that I, I really liked because kind of the attitude was, you know, I'm here, I'm doing the things you're asking me to do, I'm blowing up these towns, but if I decide I want to go do something else, I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. If I get bored <laughs> with all this, I'm going to And so that's, I like that too. It, again, because it's this, this level of power that's so different. That's cool. Do you tend to lean more towards the dragons who can speak and are articulate or all that? Or do you like the more animalistic ones? You know, like I, I, I think a lot about um, uh, Reign of Fire, mm, uh, that yeah. movie with Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey. And, yeah. you know, the, the dragons in that movie are a force of nature. They're just, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're a hurricane. Get, get the hell out of their way kind of stuff. And then you have like Dragonheart with Sean Connery's voice and everything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you fall on that kind of spectrum? What do you, what do you tend to lean towards? I lean toward the more intelligent dragon. Yeah, Smog, for example, right? Yeah. And in my world, it's very common for a dragon to... They all have a second form, and they can they can change into whatever they want. But okay. for, for example, they'll change into uh, something that's most representative of their people. Um, hmm. The silver dragon, she turns into a human, because most of her people are humans. The gold dragon, he turns into an elf because the majority of his people are elves and it's it's a way for him to relate to them and they also create these beings that that are dragomir or dragon men or, or whatever that they look like mortals in scale and they speak and they act you know they're bipedal but they are they're creations of a dragon so they would look like a, you know they have leather and you know they have different colors and scales and, mm. and they, they're another level of power above a human but it's it's more relatable so those would be emissaries or ambassadors so you would send your dragomir out to go and deal with a rebellion in a city or you know if you're having trouble with taxes that's who you would send <laughs> you know they're a force damn taxes more relatable. exactly <laughs> coin makes the world go round yeah yeah um, now, what about, uh, you know, uh, you, you mentioned uh, the, the Blue Dragon in, in one of your favorite books. Um, what did you, uh, 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 you'll kind of also already answered my question. I'm, I'm stumbling over it because I was going to ask what sets your dragons aside from the rest? What makes them yours? And, uh, and it sounds like this kind of shapeshifter element is it, huh? Yeah, that's a big part of it, and they are they are gods in. They're in, worshipped by their people and all that, and they bestow their blessings on people by giving them, you know, their blood. Um, you know, someone comes. My son is sick. He's he's broken his leg and he's getting infected. He's going to die. They could bestow on them blood that somebody would make into a potion that could heal them. So there's sort of this, you know, divine sense to them. Uh, and they kind of exploit that to a far degree. And then the magic living in their blood is probably the big difference too. So they 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 want to be at one with their people. Um, 
but they obviously are alien creatures. That's so cool. Now, what about outside of the Dragons of Dorwine series? What are your plans for the future after the six books are done? Are you going to continue in the world? Are you going to start something new? Where do you see yourself going? Yeah, I have three continents in the world. One is um, very isolated, and it's it's kind of an Arthurian type of, of world where they have armor and they have armies and they they're not ruled by dragons it's a lot more of a low low magic in the sense that um it's derived from the people it's not you know sourced by dragons and so those tales would be um kind of like a period pieces or um i want to do things with castles and i want to do things with armies uh, in Dorwine, there are no standing armies um, because they don't want people to rise up against the dragons. Mm. So uh, in this other world, it's it'll deal with um, issues that we probably could relate to, and it'll be more like a, a, a low magic fantasy realm. Uh, and the third continent is a, a dystopian, post-apocalyptic, uh, everything's on fire. It basically takes place, the whole continent is like Mordor. So it's a, it's a terrible place. Um, where there are, uh, you know, demonic forces at work and some really dark stuff. So it's it, the all three of the different places are kind of a different feel, and they'll have a different sense about them. So yeah, I, I like to keep writing in those worlds, and I'd like to write some urban fantasy at some point because I really enjoy I enjoy me some good urban fantasy. Yeah, my mine is uh, a bit of a genre genre bender, and that's one of the things that I try to do with my plan for the trilogy is to sort of expand outward that way. So, like in the first book, it's mostly taking place on this place called the Spark, which is like a moon-sized space station mm-hmm. that revolves around a planet, right? And all of the last of humanity lives on the Spark, and so the bulk of my story takes place on there. And it's very familiar. You have cities and cars and technology and all that kind of sci-fi stuff. But it's kind of urban fantasy-ish in the way because I have some magic elements that are coming into it and some characters that heavily delve into that side of things and then in the second book we go to the planet and on the planet it's basically a a, a fantasy you know it's a fantasy story over there you have creatures and races and all kinds of stuff and we'll mostly be focused on one major continent over there in that second book along with the stuff still going on at at the spark and then the third book i hope to branch out to the second continent on the and then bring it all kind of together all the worlds clash so you'll have your fantasy you'll have your sci-fi you'll have all your epic stuff it's uh it's gonna be fun but i i love that i love the the whole like uh you know creating this vast world to the point where you can tell different kinds of stories it sounds like you have like horror stories set in one continent you yeah. know you'll have your fantasy stories set in another one i like it well your book that sounds amazing i mean that's i oh. like those those <laughs> uh i like to blend those things together and it's but it, it gets hard to market things anymore yes <laughs> you know <laughs> what is your book so many things what do you like i'll I'll zero in on the part that you like (laughs) this this last week somebody's like you know i really love the found the found family trope in your book and i'm like oh yeah thanks yeah you were like not intentional but i'm glad you liked it (laughs) my narrator is like you know this is a really good young adult book i'm like oh man i don't want to be a young adult it's not young adult come on but 
Well, yeah. See, uh, you know, I, I've had so many authors on here, and you know, I'll, I'll share information about my book like i just did with you and for example uh, last week we were talking a lot about publishing and marketing in particular mm-hmm. and so th- when i when i described my book she's like how do you uh, what how are you even going to market that and you know like it has a romantic subplot but i can't market it as a romance book but the romance subplot is there for people who like romance you know like all those things yeah. are there and every author will every accomplished author will tell you don't don't make your first book part of a series Mine's part of a trilogy. Don't make your first book uh, genre bender. Stick with one genre. Mine is a total genre bender. Have a single point of view character. Don't have an ensemble cast. Mine is an ensemble cast. I just broke like every rule that they tell you not to do on your first book. Yes. And when I get to the marketing part of it, I realize why they said that. I'm like, oh, it's because you can't market a book with all these things in it. Yeah. yeah, right to market is another really good piece of advice I totally ignored. That's a whole, yeah, I, I ignored that hard and now I'm kicking myself about it, but I'm, I'm going to try to sell the hell out of this book. I'll tell you what. Yeah. And you had, you had Melinda last week. I did. She's she spoke very highly of you. Oh, well, that's nice. She's, she's great. Um, she's really great. And I did listen to the, the, the first one, the live. I went back and listened to and watched that. Um, that's great. Yeah. Now she, it, you did a great job, and, and she's great. But she, man, she knows her stuff. She, she does. She, she's a little intimidating because she was. Something and, and she's like, well, what about this and this and this? Have you thought about this? I'm like, oh, yeah. Man, no. Yeah. I'll yeah. She's got a lot of those have you thought abouts that I was like, yeah. no, I haven't. This yes. is awkward. I need to change the topic immediately. <laughs> You have pointed out a fatal flaw in my plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's chat offline. Yeah, yeah. Let's and talk questions. about this later. Yeah. <laughs> Where I can take notes. Yes. Yeah, no, she was fantastic. And, and like I said, she did speak very highly of you. So I, I, well, back to good. back, two great episodes in a row this week. It was, it's been great. Um, let me ask you this. I, I asked her last time, what, what's something that you kind of wanted to get to this week? I, 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 you asked about bringing prompts. I don't know if you did or not, but if you had anything you wanted to talk about, uh, let's, let's try to go ahead and fit them into this episode here. Well, this is a great segue because one of the things, like the way that I met Melinda, um, was through, we had this community, um, of clean fantasy or noble noble bright fantasy authors that we just we started a discord channel and we've got like 200 people on it and it kind of unites some authors with some readers but we also have editors and artists and all this cool stuff um and it's you know grimdark is fine i read a lot of grimdark uh i i I read everything joe abercrombie writes because he's brilliant um but some people like an alternative to that and it's hard to find it. I have people all the time like, hey, I've got a 13-year-old. Is your book okay for a 13-year-old boy? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this place where people can come and they can they can find you know recommendations. They say, you know, I don't I'm a I'm a zero pepper person. I don't want any spice in my books. Well, we have <laughs> zero you know, pepper. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how it is like on TikTok? Oh man, that's three peppers. I can't <laughs> read that, man. Too spicy. Oh, too spicy. The Scoville yeah. level's too high. <laughs> I get that reference. That's great. Yeah, this is a that's your book's a Carolina Reaper. I can't handle yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that that blue chip? I don't want it. No, no. <laughs> 
uh, so people can come and they can say, you know, I want I want some fantasy and I, I like some Tolkien type stuff that that doesn't have a lot of the, you know, because some of these books that I read that I'm like, man, this book is so well written. I hate every character in it. I mean, they're just these <laughs> horrible people. Um, uh, but the book is really good. But sometimes you don't want that. So that's that's how I met Melinda, and we we created that community, and so that exists. If anybody is interested in, I'll tell you uh, what. Send me the link, those. and I'll make sure to put it in the description for this uh, for this episode. It goes up on Thursday, so just get it to me before then. No problem. All right. Uh, Discord is a little bit of a barrier because some people are like, eh. yeah, but it's it's simple, and we're pretty friendly to help people. I'm you on know, one myself. I, I have some yeah. author pals on, on AuthorTube that uh, frequent a little server as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. It's it's such a valuable tool. We have a, yeah. a sprint channel on ours so we can sprint in, in there and, and support each other while we're oh, writing yeah. our novels and stuff that's like that. That's what we that. do, too. Yeah, we've yeah. got a, a sprint channel that's very helpful. Um, and it's the other platforms didn't really work. Facebook didn't work because yeah. we couldn't chat and i use slack at work which slack is basically if you took discord and made it all like a white theme that's it <laughs> <laughs> exact same thing like discord is gray slack is not that's the only difference um so that's that, funny yeah so that that was that was something that that i wanted to mention too um and something i didn't bring up in marketing was Kickstarter is something that I did for the first time starting in October. Okay. Because How's the marketing campaign, it finishes on November 1st. I got funded. I'm, I'm double funded. So I, I set the bar kind of low, like 500 bucks. But I really wanted to pay for narration for book two because it's insanely expensive. Um, but it's, it's been great. And I have some new, some new fans. People have discovered... You know, people have come in and, and bought the ebook, and then come back later and up there. They're like, "No, I want both books," and I, or "I want paperbacks." So that's I never expected that. Um, so as far as marketing goes, um, I use Backer Kit as well as Kickstarter, and that has been phenomenal for marketing because I can communicate with people, and then after after the campaign's over, I can still sell stuff to people, um, like a store. So that's that's been surprisingly um, good, and it's a different marketing that I, I I didn't foresee. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I was terrified. I was. I mean, when I signed up for Kickstarter, I was like telling my wife about it. I felt like I was telling her that I just bought a llama or something because like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. This is crazy. So it's um. It's an intimidating world out there online for self-published yes. authors these days. You know, you don't really know uh, what's going to work best for you. You know, when I first started uh, doing this author tube thing, I was doing it because I, I wanted to write a novel and I had tried writing things before and, and kind of fizzled out or, or in, in one particular case, I wasn't a good enough writer to pull off what I was trying to pull off with it. So I had to like set it aside and mm -hmm. do something else. And so I, I was focused on writing this novel and uh, I was introduced to AuthorTube uh, or the idea of it anyway, through Jenna Moresi. She's one of the more popular uh, author tubers on the platform, you know, 900,000 subscribers or something crazy like that. She's huge. Right. And so <clears throat> she has, um, excuse me, she has this story of, you know, being in, in uh, 
I want to say I want to say it was accounting. It was it was a, a numbers based <laughs> profession where she was yeah. doing math every day and hating her life, and she didn't want to do it anymore. She was making money. She was making good money. She was, you know, doing great, but it wasn't making her happy. And she left that to go do this, and started her AuthorTube channel, put out her first novel, marketed it exclusively through her AuthorTube channel. Basically, like she did very little marketing outside of it. She put so much work into building up her platform online that she doesn't have to go anywhere else. Her audience is there, and she's marketing to her audience, and she's selling books like crazy. And I'm looking at that, going, "I I can do that too, you know? Like I can I can do the same thing." But it's tricky, you know. She's she's got her Patreon going on. Patreon doesn't work for every author. It didn't work out for me. Yeah, I tried it. I I, I ran it for years, no success with it. I finally killed it、uh, very recently. So. There's a lot of like trial and error, a lot of like figuring out where to go about it. I, I thought about the Kickstarter thing as well. That was one that I was I was scared to start because of audience numbers. I figured,、yeah. well, I have to have a huge audience to begin with if I'm going to be doing the, the Kickstarter thing. So, how did that go for you? I, I, I'm assuming you've been putting out books for a little while now. You already had a little bit of an audience at least before you started the Kickstarter thing.、Um, you said it, it turned out better than you expected. What?、Well, What did you do with with the Kickstarter? Did you promote it anywhere? How, how did that go? So a few things that I learned is that it's a different group of people that you're marketing to on Kickstarter because there are people who、uh, just troll Kickstarter, wanting to buy things. And I figured this out because there's a guy named Francesco Tirani, and I'm going to say his name because I think this is secretly somebody else that he he backed my project and. And we're friends or something. I'm not sure how that works, but every day he's backing three or four projects, and I'm like, hmm, this is a whale. This is somewhere. But there are people who who are like, no, I don't want to go on Amazon and pay fifteen dollars for thirteen dollars for your book. I want to pay you twenty five dollars for the exact same book to have you sign it and put a bookmark in it and send it to my house. That's I didn't know those people existed.、Um, So I brought my little group in, but then people just started showing up. And、uh, beforehand, I did some Facebook ad, and I made a landing page through Kickstarter, and people just started jumping on this. And I was looking at these names, and I'm like, don't know these people, don't know them. I've never, they're not on my mailing list.、Um, so that was the surprising part. You're muted still. That's so interesting. Thank you.、Um, I, you know, I I've seen. <clears throat> oh man, muting myself made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> no, I was gonna say.、Um, you know, I I knew that there are people out there who do that because I I recently I'm on Kofi where you can like commission people to do you know a particular project. I make animations and stuff. I don't know if you noticed it. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> Thank you. I. So I, I I open myself up to commissions. If people want animations for their channel, if they want a book trailer or anything like that, I can make all kinds of stuff for them. And I had two different guys show up and were like, "Hey, I want to donate some Bitcoin." And I'm like, "I'm not really into the whole like Bitcoin thing, man. Like, if you want to buy a video or whatever, he's like, 'No, like I just got like a crap load of Bitcoin. I don't need it. I just like donating, you know, donating it to artists who like are doing something cool. And I think you're doing something cool. So here's, you know, point zero one Bitcoin. 
which translated to like two thousand U.S. dollars at mm -hmm. the time. And another guy, like two weeks later, same thing, sent me 0.01 Bitcoin, and suddenly there's another two thousand U.S. dollars sitting in, in that account. I'm just like, it's bananas. Like people are just out there, like just wanting to support, you know, independent artists and 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 people doing something for themselves like like you know it's it's such a, a it's, it's the wild west out there on the internet yeah it is so much has happened in these days <laughs> finding the right groups of people help um there, there are a couple groups on facebook that have been just for as far as kickstarter goes i made my preview and i put it up and people were just like bro no scrap that here's what you need to do and giving me all this advice that turned out to be just fantastic i mean this is advice i would pay thousands of dollars for in a class yeah uh, the thing is like I, I want to raise money for my audiobook so i'm going to put my audiobook up there they're like no no, no don't do that nobody cares oh. about audiobooks <laughs> raise money for your audiobook that's fine here's what you need to put up there they want physical stuff and uh, come up with weird stuff and put it in a box stuff you can ship to it. their house and they can yeah. open up like a christmas present that's what they want yeah i got a um a, a box that's called the phoenix crate it's cj brightly is an author fantasy author and she puts together a box and i'm like man people are going nuts over this thing what is it so i bought one it's like 30 34 or whatever and it shows up and it blew me away one the box is beautiful that's cool open it up oh cool there's a book in it that's what i was expecting but then there was all this neat stuff there's like there's a little bag of coffee oh wait this actually ties into the story of the book i just wrote and has some connection i'm like wow little huh. vinyl stickers um it just just you know i won't say it's it's junk but it's it's not stuff that i need in my life but i was so excited for it yeah it's stuff that makes you happy you open yeah. it up and you're like oh man this is awesome that sounds so, so cool yeah. you know i'm learning so much these these last couple episodes yeah melinda last week opened my eyes to the idea of newsletters written by your characters and i'm already like like toying with that because i'm just like that's such a cool idea for like number one for marketing number two for not having a boring newsletter where you're just mm. telling them that you're putting a thing up or whatever it yeah. is like to actually have a little more direct interaction with the audience itself too like the characters speaking to the audience is kind of interesting there's a meta mm -hmm. thing happening there there's so much and now this idea of like the box like immediately i'm thinking you know, like when I release my book, have a, a nice like box that like a special edition box that they can buy. It has a copy of the book, has a T-shirt in it, mm -hmm. maybe a poster or something that they can put on the walls, some bookmarks. Like, yeah, like that Their access awesome. card. How cool would that be to get like a little magnetic strip card? Doesn't do anything, but it has like the symbol of the, yeah. you know, of the spark or something. Yeah, cool like yeah, like just, a little like, yeah, that's that's, that's a good I, idea too. <laughs> I opened this box and all of a sudden I had all these ideas and I'm like, wow. Um, Melinda talked some about her, her you know, her finances and, and all that. Did she get into bootstrapping releases? I don't believe no okay because i didn't listen to the second portion the the type the typewriters she has this she's going to put together a series of videos and hopefully i get to help because it sounds phenomenal but it's for new people who have zero money hmm. how can i put together just how can i do as much as i can by myself and as cheaply as possible um make a release with the idea that 
that any money that I make from this release is going to go into the next one. And it's fascinating to hear her talk about that. And she's really good at it. So yeah, yeah, that that was another thing that I I hoped she would get into, but I didn't think she had. I mean, along that very topic and and what we were talking before with with so many different like jobs that we need to to accomplish as independent authors uh, these days, and more than that, the tools that are available to us. Some of these AI covers that that are, are coming out are actually really good. Mike DeFrench yeah. is one where all his covers are AI covers, and they're pretty darn good. Yeah. Where I would have paid money for an artist to make that for me, and he made it for free in an in an AI engine. Yep. And uh, just the idea of that being a possibility mm-hmm. for us these days, we're 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 living in in the golden age of yeah. independent authors, man. Like we really need to take advantage of all these things. That's, yes. that's crazy. And we've got to work hard to distinguish ourselves. Yes, there's That's so much the out there. One of the things that I'm dealing with right now is I'm going through the, the whole cover design situation. Yeah. And part of my problem is that the like the best design uh, pitch that I've gotten so far is one that I also turned down because it was the idea was uh, to deal uh, to, to, to approach it like a movie poster. So you would have kind of a scene at the bottom third of the image where you would have like the characters walking down a, a dark alley at night. And, you know, like you get that kind of like uh, killer stalking a prey murder mystery kind of deal. And then you have like the big title across the middle. And then across the top, you have one area where you see like, you know, the planet with the space station around it and all that. And it gives you the real like sci-fi fantasy feel. And then on the other side of it, the three main characters, like their floating heads kind of deal, like a Marvel poster. And I'm like, that's the best pitch that I've gotten so far that accomplishes everything I want to accomplish. But that's not going to make people stop when they're scrolling on Amazon and the image is this big. Because with all those little pieces to it, it's just going to get lost in the shuffle. Like, I need something big and splashy that, like, while you're scrolling makes you stop and click on it and read the thing. And so, like, the idea of this big, flashy image, like, the, the book cover is the main source of marketing for, for an author. That's that's your that's your whole marketing yeah. scheme is the the cover. So that's what I'm dealing with these days. And just the idea of, like, it needing to look good this big on yeah. a, on somebody's phone when they're doing this. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard for science fiction because you, yeah. you have to communicate this is science fiction. You yeah. have to communicate that. So and in and in my case, the plot being a murder mystery, you also have to communicate that because yeah. while it is a science fiction world, mm-hmm. it's not really a science fiction story. It's a murder mm-hmm. mystery story. We got serial killers and a detective and that kind of thing. And so like you gotta get that across, but <laughs> It's not just a murder mystery. I can't just market it to the murder mystery guys because it's very yep. sci-fi fantasy. There's magic. There's there's uh, there's technology. There's all kinds of stuff in there. So like, yeah, it's it's a challenge. I'm trying to get like all three genres represented in one image, mm-hmm. and it's and that's that's the big challenge, you know. And incidentally, I I toyed a little bit with some AI cover ideas, and some of them came out pretty good. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to use any of them, but I looked at one where I was like, put that in your pocket just in case. Just going to hang on to that one. Cause uh-huh. if nobody else comes through for me, that's my backup plan right there. That's a good one. So it's, it's bananas nowadays, man. It's crazy out there. <laughs> and, and what you're describing kind of sounds, kind of reminds me of the expanse where you really are following this cop trying to solve a mystery, but Oh, it's, it's galactic. You know, this yeah. is a really big thing. So, well, the whole kind of um, you know idea behind it for me was 
um, I'm a huge fan of George R. R. Martin's mm-hmm. A Song of Ice and Fire. And a lot of people forget that the whole reason, the whole like catalyst, you know, the inciting incident for the main plot of the first book is a murder mystery. Yeah, the hand got killed or died. Yeah, who killed Seriously. John Aaron? Yep. That's the whole like that's what kicks off this whole first book, and the idea that this fantasy epic starts out with a murder mystery, which by the way we don't get the answer to until like book four or something yeah. crazy like that, and it's like uh, it's like <laughs> it's like mentioned in passing. If you're if you're reading <laughs> casually, you don't even realize yeah. that like oh there's the answer right there. So like that's kind of where I was coming from a little bit with my book where like this idea of like it's a genre world yeah but i'm telling a very focused murder mystery story with these ensemble characters yeah the cover that's that's tricky but uh i, I look forward to seeing what you come up with because that's that's cool it has to it has to it has to it has to be big it has to, has be, to pop has to pop yeah. has to look like a big event because and it has to set up a theme for the whole series because I, I already have the titles for the next two books. Mm-hmm. I have broad outlines for them. I haven't like really, really like gotten into breaking the stories, but I know where they're going yeah. and uh, and I know what the series is as a whole. And so whatever I, I settle with, you know, I'm going to continue that same theme, that same vibe for the next two covers. So that's another thing is it has to kind of set up sort of a... Uh, 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 not a status quo, but uh, but a, a, you know a, a theme, a design thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. gonna carry forward. It's uh, and like you said in the live stream, book two and three are there to sell book one. You know, book one is is the, the foundation for everything. It's where if anybody is even remotely interested in book two, they're gonna have to go back to book one first. And so, like, you have to make that you know, as 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 uh, captivating as possible from right. the story to the cover yeah yeah that's exactly right that's the challenge that's with my covers um i just went with a dragon eye i went through several iterations where i had characters and, and weird stuff and i was like man but finally it's that scroll factor mm-hmm. you stop because it's interesting that big giant reptilian Huge. eye yeah. yeah yeah so did you do it yourself? Did you get a cover designer? I I had an artist do the eye, and then uh, I did most of the design. I have a friend who's a, a graphic art instructor. Nice. He helped with the typesetting and that kind of stuff. And it's it got about a hundred percent better after he went through and fixed all my mistakes. But it's even that's tricky today because you've got well, I've got a paperback that's five by eight. I've got a hardback which is six by nine. Oh well, on Ingram I have a jacketed hardback, so that's six by nine with flaps. Yeah, well, I got the ebook and I've got the audio book. Audio books are squares oh. like CD cases. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you're like, man, and and I wanted to put the narrator name on there really big because he's a lot cooler than I. So like, <laughs> part of the marketing is you get to listen to this guy's voice <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah I, I say i've sold more audiobooks because of michael kramer than because of of me or because of the cool picture or that's a cool note is is choosing the right uh audio narrator to, yes. to help market the audiobook that's a good one i sell between two to five a week just because somebody knows who michael kramer is it's pretty cool. I can't track it anywhere else. I can't, you know, I, I like analytics and like trying to figure out where my sales come from and all that. Yeah. Can't track it from anything other it's than com- it's coming from them. Right yeah. <laughs> and I've done that. I, I, I listen. I love Michael Kramer and I'm like, oh, what else does it, has he done? Mm. 
So, well, Mr. Atkins, uh, we're coming up on the top of the hour here. Thank you so very much for joining us. Was there anything that you wanted to let the audience know that you've got coming up, whether it's another appearance, a book releasing, anything like that? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor if you want to uh, update people here. The only things I have, um, my Kickstarter finishes November 1st. That's uh, Dragon Fantasy with Heart. Uh, if you're interested in my stuff, there's a pretty low gateway. You can spend five bucks and get e e the ebook for the first book um, if you want to enter that. Um, also, I'm doing something similar to this. If you're, if you're on TikTok and you do fantasy books on TikTok, you probably know who Dan Kenner is. Mm. He's a very funny guy. Uh, so he, Dan and I are going to sit down next week and it's 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but we're gonna sit down and and do something similar so that's that's the next thing that i've got coming out so it's fantastic all right well we're gonna go ahead and link that in the description down below for everybody uh who wants to check it out i'll probably have to wait until after the event to actually do that but i'll keep an eye out for it and uh for anybody at home all his uh links all the links for mr atkins are down below so you can get to his website sign up for his newsletter and uh there, his amazon link is down there as well so you can go pick up his books um go check them out they sound awesome there's more books coming uh remind me again when the third one is slated to come out was it september september 2023 September 2023. All right. So we'll be on the lookout for that. And uh, thank you once again for joining us, everybody at thank home. You thank much. you for watching. Thank you for subscribing. If you're not subscribed, do it. Don't make me tell you again. And uh, I'll see you all on Sunday for another episode of Livestream Sunday. Thank you all very much. Right on, writers. And we are out.